0: Welcome to BrainStuff, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, BrainStuff, Lauren Vogelbaum here. What could you do to help those fighting in a brutal war? At some points in history, whole nations of individuals have had to ask themselves that question. They've rationed food and supplies, restructured their careers, nursed the wounded soldiers themselves, and monitored their own everyday speech. During World War I, an American woman named Anna Coleman Ladd used her skills as an artist to change the lives of men disfigured in the war. World War I was fought differently from any war that preceded it. The 20th century brought with it the fruits of the Industrial Revolution, which in this case included machine guns. Soldiers were often dodging a hailstorm of bullets rather than single shots, along with artillery, which involved lots and lots of shrapnel. Around 21 million men were injured in the war, and some of them lost chins, noses, lips, and cheekbones. Not surprising, since trench warfare involved a lot of looking up over the edge of the trench to see if the coast was clear. Facial reconstruction surgery was a brand new technology at this time, and though some of its practitioners had experience restoring or recreating faces on a small scale, these surgeons were suddenly presented with the then impossible task of reconstructing entire faces. The men would survive, but the trauma of such damage was grim. Anna Coleman Ladd was an American sculptor from Boston who moved to France during World War I so that her husband could take a position with the Red Cross. After learning about the plight of these men, she corresponded with English sculptor Francis Derwent Wood, the founder of the Tin Noses Shop in London where he made tin masks for soldiers with facial mutilations. Then, with the help of the Red Cross, Ladd set up her own studio in Paris called the Studio for Portrait Masks. Ladd turned out to have a real gift for crafting portrait masks. Precursors to today's facial prostheses, the masks were created to cover just the damaged portion of the soldier's face, which could, of course, sometimes include the entire face. Ladd's work was lauded as the best of its kind, and each mask took months to produce. In order to create a mask that resembled each man's pre-war face as closely as possible, Ladd first required photos of the original face, and after the wounds from the injury and any subsequent surgery healed completely, she and her team got to work. She took a plaster cast of the entire face— and from there made squeezes, a clay or plasticine copies of the face, on which Ladd could base her portrait recreation work. The masks themselves were made from very thin galvanized copper, about the thickness of the cover of a paperback, and they were usually held in place with spectacles. Ladd painted each mask with enamel while the man was wearing it, so she could get the best possible skin tone match. Facial hair like mustaches, eyelashes, and eyebrows were added at the end with real hair. Although Ladd's studio was only open for a year, she and her four assistants created 185 masks, which changed the lives of her clients. They reported being better able to live with their families, get jobs, and feel as if they belonged, rather than hiding away, feeling monstrous in a veteran's home. Ladd was a pioneer in facial prosthetics, and her results were remarkable, even though the masks she made were fragile and easily battered, and they didn't restore movement and function to the face. These days, facial prostheses are used in situations in which surgical reconstruction isn't technically possible or isn't recommended for the patient for other reasons. For the article this episode is based on, HowStuffWorks spoke with Juan Garcia, an anaplastologist at the Johns Hopkins Carnegie Center for Surgical Innovation. He said, There are many reasons why a patient cannot have a surgical option offered to them. A person missing an eye and eyelids cannot have this reconstructed. Cancer patients who undergo radiation therapy do not heal well. A surgical reconstruction of the ear and nose is very delicate surgery, oftentimes leading to a poor aesthetic outcome, even in the hands of a skilled surgeon. Modern anaplastologists still work with plaster in paint, but they use modern dental materials like resin dye stone, an ultra-strong form of gypsum that behaves a lot like plaster, along with paints mixed with silicone. Garcia said, Unlike the painted, rigid masks made of copper that Ladd made, we generally sculpt the prosthetic device in wax before the stone mold is made to cast a soft, flesh-like silicone prosthesis. These days, we used advanced digital technologies such as surface scanning, digital sculpting, and 3D printing, and implants in the form of titanium screws, similar but shorter than dental implants. These screws are placed into the bone by a surgeon and can be used to hold the prosthesis in place. So nobody's holding their prosthesis on by dangling it from spectacles anymore. But LADD paved the way for a lot of the good work anaplastologists do today and the outcome is largely the same. Garcia said, the work of the anaplastologist allows patients to get back to their work, family, friends, and activities they enjoy. It allows them to move forward with their lives with a renewed sense of normalcy, albeit a new normal. Hopefully the work goes undetected. However, the main goal is to help the patient move from an isolated and perhaps ostracized state to one where they can once again engage others. Today's episode is based on the article How a Lone Sculptor Gave New Faces to Injured Soldiers of World War I on HowStuffWorks.com, written by Jesselyn Shields. BrainStuff is a production of iHeartRadio in partnership with HowStuffWorks.com and is produced by Tyler Klein. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.